0: Having everything in one place is a must. With direct integrations to carriers, load boards, and capacity tools, the TIE TMS software sets up brokers like you to potentially save 11 hours per week by finding load coverage 70% faster than other TMS systems. Tie it all together with the TIE TMS software. Sign up for a free demo now.
1: I got friends on the to talk business. I got the I got the Welcome to Put That Copy Down, the Freight Sales Show for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host today. We're going to talk about growing a community, we're going to talk about networking. Um, a couple weeks ago, I talked to Emmanuel Pursuta from Four Star Alliance uh, about networking and kind of going on social media building a network, doing your prospecting from there, take that one step further, and developing your own community. So we're going to talk about that in just a few seconds with one of our newsletter and TV show hosts and communities writers here, uh, Thomas Wasson, who's in charge of Loaded and Rolling, which is the Enterprise Truck uh, Fleet newsletter. Uh, if you're not signed up, we will certainly show you how to do that here in the next few minutes. Um but before we do that, let's do uh, give a shout-out to TIE, TIE Ty Software. TIE is the ultimate domestic 3PL solution for LTL and full truckload freight. TIE TMS gives you a centralized platform for sourcing load coverage by connecting you to load boards, rate intelligence, and capacity tools on a single page. To learn more, visit TIEsoftware.com. That's T-A-I hyphen software dot com. But let's talk about Communities, let's talk about developing your network, right? And then there's a lot of different methods and definitions to networking. It's not all about shaking hands and just running into random people. We also did a show about three or four weeks back now on the power of referrals. And I encourage you to go back in the archives on Put That Coffee Down and pick that up. Uh, You can find that at tv.fartwaves.com. You can also find it on YouTube as well. And if you, this is audio only, if you're just listening to us today, you can find it in the show channel or in FreightCast, which covers everything that we do audio-wise here at FreightWaves. So with that, let's welcome right now, Thomas Wasson over here. He is the, the leader and communities writer and group leader for Loaded and Rolling, which is the Enterprise enterprise Fleet Management or enterprise, enterprise Fleet Trucking uh, section <laughs> of the, the newsletter. I'll let him explain what that really means and what that covers here in the next few minutes. Um, but welcome to the show, Thomas.
0: Appreciate it so much. And, you know, we're talking about it like Enterprise Trucking. Uh, you know, that's kind of what the loaded and rolling community is. So my technical title is the Enterprise Trucking Carrier Expert here at Freight Waves. And uh, a lot of the community is oriented around truckload. And so FreightWaves has a really good, uh, you know, platform in terms of helping brokerages and shippers. And part of what I do is help bring that information over to folks who are at the trucking and asset side. You know, assets of all levels as well, because you can become a, any trucking company that starts small will eventually want to become an enterprise carrier. And so, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of fun things, especially mm-hmm. like macro trends, as well as
1: tips and strategies. And then uh, just looking to see like what's going on in the industry. So, how do you define enterprise? An enterprise fleet, is there a truck number on there that's a general rule of thumb, or does it vary widely? I think
0: it depends on the sweet spot, really, because, you know, when you're looking at a situation, um, some will say a 1,000. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, when I was working as a team fleet manager, the team SBU, which was the business unit, was approximately uh, around 350 to 400 tractors. Mm-hmm. And so, that would be considered a large fleet, you know, because you're... You're actually basically having at least five to six driver managers and a customer service team, uh, load planning operations as well. So uh, when we're talking about enterprise, anything over a thousand. you do truly enterprise like the mega carriers. We're talking two thousand to five thousand mm-hmm. trucks. And that's it's a hard thing for a lot of people in trucking who are owner ops to figure out or you know smaller companies because it becomes this corporate, Uh, you know, monolithic Mm -hmm. bureaucratic setup. So it's super fascinating because even when you work at an enterprise carrier, there's so many departments, there's so many different experiences, there's so many silos Mm -hmm. that it gets extremely difficult sometimes to make heads or tails of it. And so part of what I do is try to share some of the insights, interview some people who are, you know, involved in it, and just provide as much information as possible for folks, whether they're a broker, a customer, or working at another trucking company, Allowing them that ability to kind of peer behind the scenes, pull back the curtain, so to speak, and see what goes on in this alien world of giant corporatized mega
1: carriers because it's such a different experience. So, so if you have five hundred trucks, you're not an enterprise fleet, maybe. What 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 would you categorize that? I would say five hundred trucks.
0: I would say a large carrier. You're going to probably be either regional or starting to expand national. Mm-hmm. Definitely a, a few terminals. It depends on how you have it set up, but. You have a footprint, and you know you've got the, the hallmarks of what an enterprise carrier is. You're going to have a stratification of your roles: your customer service, fleet operations, load planning, sales, pricing, maintenance, safety and compliance, as well as resources like human resources and recruiting. So you're starting to build the processes, but they are mm-hmm. kind of in their infancy. Not you know uh, you'll have maybe two or three people at certain roles. You go to a large enterprise level carrier. We're talking a few hundred people. Fleet operations could be upwards of 150 individuals. The recruiting could be upwards of 80 individuals. You've got vice presidents as well as an entire uh, top-down hierarchical structure. So large carriers of 500, you're building the foundations of the structure. Enterprise-level carriers, you're dealing with large multinational corporations, Mm -hmm. Procter & Gamble's, Home Depot's, Walmart's, you're able to negotiate your fuel prices. You're able to call up PACAR and say, I need 2,000 trucks. You have that. It's kind of like a cruise ship. How big is your wake? And so mm-hmm. large carriers, you've got a nice yacht. you got a 50-footer. It costs a lot of money, but mega carriers are like the large cruise ship to where your wake will actually disturb other boats, and they want to make sure that when you're on the waterway, uh, you get a big berth. Okay.
1: Makes sense. It makes sense. So, that's the enterprise fleet community. We have several different communities here at Freight Waves. We have a freight brokerage, which is Check Call, and that's Mary yep. O'Connell, right? We have Point of Sell, which I think was the first one that, that, that we did. Point of Sell, uh, Grace Shark is writing that right now. The CPG, the Stockout, Mike my Distal, uh, Transmission, that's Seb uh, Blanco. Um, what else do we have? We have a couple more Running uh, on Ice with Sydney net Edwards. Net Zero Carbon? Right? For, net, yep. net Zero Carbon as well. So we have a series of these. And these are ground-up newsletter subscriptions, right? So you have to go out and hustle and build a community, not not necessarily from scratch because you're at FreightWaves, right? But, you know, the the brand is coming from scratch. And you get your first subscriber to the the 10,000th subscriber, right? It's all up to you. So it's really growing that community. And it is really focused on sales, building a brand. And whether that's a newsletter brand or a personal brand, it's still a brand, you know, and that's wh- that's where the big focus is. And, you know, it, you do a lot of work at first and it becomes easier over time if you're doing the fundamentals right. So you can still prospect. You can develop your own personal newsletter for your customers and to grow that, maybe get into prospects' hands. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So what's the first step whenever you set up your own newsletter, kind of create that brand? What's the first thing you need to do? I think the
0: first thing you need to do is you need to figure out who or what do you want to be? Who do you want to talk to? And then also, are you going to be informative? Are you going to try to be persuasive? Some newsletters are politic-based where they'll persuade you, mm-hmm. or are you trying to specifically
1: sell a product? And so, like for Loaded and But, but there's enroll- persuasion too, right? Yeah, it's uh, It's always persuasive. Do you want to be super professional? Do you want to have a little bit of personality? Uh, it, it really depends, right? Yeah, like advocacy, persuasion. Advocacy, you know, you can yeah.
0: advocate, you can inform, you mm-hmm. can try to sell. And figuring out that kind of tempo is going to be important because then you're going to ask, okay, a loaded enrolling is big and informative. I want to provide information. So now what, who do I want to talk to? What kind of content do I want to talk about? And how do I want to get this information out? Because th- that's a challenge,
1: like you said. Mm-hmm. Starting out,
0: it is a grind
1: it is a grind and you have to find your personality you have to get over a little bit of imposter syndrome you know getting that out getting your personality to come through whether whether it is a newsletter or a podcast or or whatever it is but you're creating a community you're, exactly you're creating you know the, that that 10,000 subscribers to a newsletter right that's a community
0: that's what's mind blowing about it because when you start um you deal with, it with the imposter syndrome and for a lot of people I've dealt with it. You get writer's block. You're worried. Is my voice not good enough? Is my content not as well? Mm-hmm. And so it gets so important to remember that when you're writing for a community, for a newsletter, or even doing stuff like this, a system in place is key. Once you figure out if you're informative or advocacy-based, every day, because people will get frustrated. You'll have a day where nobody reads anything. Build the system, consistent, repetitive, repetitive, And then as long as your newsletter goes out two times a week around a similar time, as long as you have enough content that's useful and valuable, as long as you're going on LinkedIn, social media, Twitter space, even Mm -hmm. TikTok or whatever, Instagram, if somebody wants to try it, like uh, a lot of people get so Whatever works. Whatever works. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you're just waiting to, it's like striking Flint. You're waiting for a spark. Because you never know when your post will go viral and people get frustrated because they'll see other communities. It's
1: like you have to be patient. I remember a long time back in the day, my my best, at that point, my best LinkedIn post was something I can't even remember what it was about. I literally, I can't remember what it was about. It was somewhat interesting, maybe not super interesting, but it went viral because someone came in on the con- comments and, and started attacking me. I, I think it was bid season. <laughs> it was bid season. That's exactly, you know, I described, oh, we're coming up on bid season. Someone's like, there is no bid season, blah, blah, blah. Like what? And other people jumped in and started attacking that person. And it turned into this huge thing just on the comments. And, you know, it was like 10,000 views or something, which was back in 2016, 2015. Which is huge. That's how the algorithm, because the algorithms weigh engagement. And if you Mm -hmm. put
0: something out there, especially when you you said earlier, persuasion is very important because how you write, you want to be able to put something out there that will encourage people to comment on, not something super crazy, unless that's your vibe, but... If you're providing informative content, having it out there with just a few tweaks to your stuff could yeah. be be that difference between 500 yeah, you, views
1: and 10. You, you have to be yourself, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Duner is himself, right? Oh, completely. He's got his style. <laughs> I, I've got my style. Everyone else has their own style. So you, you have to, to have your own style. Uh, you can't try to be somebody you're not. You have, to, you have to lead with your own personality. You always have to be, an, well, not an influencer, but... You know, a persuader. Exactly. So you're always writing to persuade. And if you're, if you're in freight brokerage or freight tech, you don't want to lead your newsletter with your products, right? You want to, to give people market information, really interesting tidbits, right? And that means you don't always have to create all original content yourself. You don't have to be the person with the great idea or the great content. You have to be the aggregator.
0: A curator. A curator. It's, that's like yes. with a lot
1: of loaded and rolling.
0: I mm-hmm. Sometimes I will write some original content, but the pressure a lot of people feel like when they start these newsletters and communities is it has to be all original. It doesn't if you, no. like with FreightWaves, if you become the expert, you're now, this is my vertical, Enterprise Fleet. So if I mm-hmm. pick a few things, I'm picking for my audience to say, Alan Adler wrote this, or yeah. uh, John Kingston wrote this. Here's some important things you need to know, even outside of FreightWaves. Wall Street Journal may have wrote something. And mm-hmm. so... You know, you want your audience to trust you, but at the same time, we'll provide FreightWave's data in context for decision-making. It's
1: all about value. You give so, out the value. Definitely. Sooner data, right? Context. And you provide the context. Completely. It's much easier to, to describe the context of things, maybe what the article leaves out, or maybe a great segue into an article that should be read, or not read, but written, but you don't have to write that article. You can just posit the idea of it. Yeah. And then return to it.
0: It's like and when and I was again. in school doing my MBA. We would mm-hmm. write research. But research was very little original. It was citing, citations, and then you cite it, you source it, yeah. and you talk about it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my newsletter, something that helps me is the same way. I, I'm not going to come up, I'm not reinventing the wheel. We're not coming up with a new wheel. There's a lot of smarter people out there. But just like with Twitter and Substack people, you'll find the right people who know what to look for, and then you're like, man, I've learned something new today. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a great way because... You know, we would like people to check out Sonar and Freight Waves and stuff, but at the same time, if they trust that Freight Waves as a brand provides them with this timely information, maybe they'll check it out. But giving people things for free, like newsletters is so powerful. Reciprocity
1: in sales is amazing. It, it is. I, I think one of the mistakes I see, especially with freight brokerages, and I, I'll call it a mistake. You might disagree, they might disagree, but I'll say you can't do a monthly newsletter. You can't do a monthly newsletter and, and really it be about the company itself. I mean internally that's great. Yeah. Externally, you have to provide value, value to your subscribers, your prospects, whoever's gonna be reading that. And it's not necessarily about bowling night that you, that your company did, you know, or meet the team. You can put that in there, that, that's fine, but it's really you know, curating curating what other people don't have the time to do, right? Curating that, collecting that, presenting it in a way that, that provides a lot of context and value. And credibility. And, d- and credibility. And if you can get to the, the point where you can execute on those ideas or that content, that becomes actionable, like directly actionable. That, that's the gold standard. There.
0: And that's, you see that with Convoy, with Uber. I used to work at Arrive Logistics. They mm-hmm. had uh, the state of the freight or weekly updates. Yep. And I mean, you know, like you said, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's not do yeah. crazy. Let's just pull what we're seeing. And we'll send it out because that's what brokers would do. They'd send those newsletters and forward them to their customers. Mm-hmm. And the customer will get like the arrive or the freight waves or somebody else. And they'll say, oh, this is really cool. This helped me. Yeah. And then now they're going to think of you as a credible brand. They think of you as a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Hey, this guy's in the know. He's got the pulse. I trust him with my freight. And the same way with enterprise trucking. I always joke if a executive or a equities analyst opens it or somebody looks at it and goes,
1: wow, I should pay attention to this. I've done my job. You've done your job and, you know, certainly we have the data here. A lot of brokerages, a lot of freight, freight companies, freight tech companies, they, they do have the data sitting there to, to be able to, to do that. I mean, exactly. I, back when the ELD mandate came through, I was tracking, I had a call team calling carriers and we were asking about ELDs and we had a weekly graph and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I, 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 it actually was a huge failure because I was trying to sell that data to uh, ELD companies as we are coming up in the second half of 2017 yeah. in that first deadline. And that didn't go anywhere. So I'm sitting on this data. And I'm just like, I don't even know what to do with this. So I started publishing a little bit. Uh, you know, I sent it out and Andrew Lockwood helped me out with it. He's over at Sudeth Global Logistics now. He was with Kinco at the time. And, and it just caught lightning. Exactly. It and did. It's like, I mean, equity researchers were, were calling me up, asking me what was going on. Because no one else was, was collecting that data for, for whatever reason. Um, but, but they weren't. And that, that became a really huge boon for me.
0: And, uh, you know, it helps build you personal brand. A guy named uh, Naval Ravikant, a tech founder, uh, very prolific in the venture capital world, talks about one of the best ways that you can do for yourself is find something kind of like a community-ish where you make yourself the brand. Yes. And, you know, allowing like even with loaded and rolling and put that coffee down, having that community and having your name tied to it, it helps out so much because now people will read it. People mm-hmm. say, I listen to your podcast. I really enjoyed this. And it's it's a way of, uh, so you and I make a widget, a product. We can make five of them. We only send five. We make this newsletter. This goes out to 10,000 people. It circulates. We're building mm-hmm. something that basically now is riding the waves and it companies and brokerages can do that as well. It's It's almost like people forget that you got to be authentic, you got to be useful, and you have to communicate what you're doing. And If you don't do that right, yeah, you may be a phenomenal brokerage or trucking carrier, but having that extra oomph
1: is like a force multiplier. It is a a force multiplier, and it is something that I I think uh, any entrepreneur, if you're going to start a business, start connecting first. Even before you even have an idea of exactly what you want to do, start growing that community, that, that branding in a newsletter, podcasts, shows are all a great way to do that because once you have people paying attention, then if you roll out a product or service, you have a naturally made market already.
0: Oh, yeah. Morning Brew. One of their things when they first started was they made an algorithm that would find out every time Elon Musk tweeted. And Mm -hmm. they literally made sure part of the interviews, they said, if I'm the first one to reply to Elon Musk, that means that now people are thinking, what's Morning Brew? And they did that for a long time. They were they like did. literally Johnny on the spot talking to Elon Musk. And that kind of thing is how they helped build their brand. Now Morning Brew has millions of subscribers. People read it. And I read it. I subscribe to it. But, you know, having that kind of idea where you pick the person that, who's the person or the expert or who do I want to kind of talk to? Mm-hmm. And like you said, when you are starting out, throw that wide net, connect everybody, but also find who are the thought leaders. I, I look at Craig Fuller's tweets on FreightWaves because yep. that's something where, while I have a small user base, Learning on the things that he's looking at and who he's talking to kind of helps me map out who are the mm-hmm. people that I may need to comment on. Who should I try to engage with or have on for a show? Yeah. Because, you know, when you're starting out small, all it takes is one or two guests. And then you kind of help their brand. And their brand, it's like this mutually, you know, beneficial you, you, thing.
1: You do. Marking Brew, uh, or Morning Brew. I'm glad you brought that up because Deuter and I... Toby Howe, who used to do social media marketing, he, he gave us the story about Elon Musk and the tweets. You can go back in the archives and, uh, and check out that episode. But, but we interviewed Toby Howell. Uh Great interview. I, I think we've, we've interviewed the, the CEO uh, for Morning Brew as well. But yeah, I mean, talk about a, a, great, a great newsletter company that really started out, you know, learning your lessons from Morning Brew. Is, is a great way to do it. And it was built on the backs of free t-shirts and mugs. They started
0: with campuses and colleges and they were able to spread it. And so if you feel like when you're starting your community, maybe you're having trouble on LinkedIn, maybe the Twitter game's not there. Half of my followers are bots for some reason. So obviously it's a game of repetition and systems. We're going back to that. But mm-hmm. having that way of giving out things for free, like if you sign up five people, you get a mug. Yep. You know, those are also great ways that if you're part of a large organization and you want to get some swag out there, you know, why else good, are free samples such an effective thing? Because people are going to think down the line, oh, well, you gave me something free. I'm going to I want to help you out later. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, even the psychology behind it, you may give someone something, a coffee mug, but it can be a factor of three to five times greater the thing they'll give you back later if yep. they still remember it. And that's what's remarkable is people forget. But at the end of the day, you still want to provide value. Don't be that guy who just hands out mugs and thinks, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to... You know, I got you now.
1: Be useful. Be authentic. (laughs) And again, always, content is king. Content is king. Content is king. Let's talk about exit velocity. final thing we'll we'll kind of touch upon here is exit velocity. You know what I'm talking about when I say exit velocity. That's okay. It's all the hard work that you do to get the, the first subscriber, the second, third, the fourth, and it just goes slow. You're you you're, you question yourself. You're like, am I doing this right? Because you know this week only got three subscribers. Oh or, yes. Or you know everything's going really slow. Everything's going until you hit that point.
0: It's an inflection point, in, like moving inflection, a yes exit velocity. Pushing a snowball up a hill, mm-hmm. and then you hit this point, and then it just starts. Like what the truck has gotten. They put so much work in it over the yes. years, and now it's at a point where. You can see the momentum moving forward, but you forget all those days of grinding. And that's where I'm still at with loaded and rolling as well as you forget that, you know, that's where the systems in the habit, because if you break it down into a habit every day, you're increasing your odds of reaching the top. And that's where people forget. It's not a goal to reach the exit. Well, you know,
1: it's a system because that way your system builds you and then you're just pushing that ball down twice as fast. You, you really are and and it's it's funny that you say with the truck, you can really see the exit it, it's definitely hit exit velocity and it is is flying through the air, but no, I remember I, I could see the podcast booth over here and and all of us you know jumping in there with Dooner, uh, you know doing doing short interviews as though they, they were creating the system. He was creating the system to to do that and the same thing, a lot of our our shows started in that podcast booth over there. and that's the hardest transition, but you have we- to enjoy it. That's, that's the key, right? Oh, yeah. You have to it. enjoy it. If you're not enjoying writing a newsletter or doing podcasts or or, or, or posting on Twitter, you, you got to find what you really enjoy. And because if you enjoy it, you'll just do it over and over and over
0: again. Yeah, make it into, for a, a lot game. of people who struggle, make it into a game too. Yeah. Like gamification of your newsletter. Hey, let's see how fast that uh, creative writing exercise. Let's see how fast I can get my topic one out. Let's see how fast I can find this or apply to this tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, coming up with creative ways because it is. It's a day in, day out. It's a numbers game. And it's a slug. You know, it's a
1: you're sitting on the it's corner. Slug. It's it, a slug. It's a slog at first, right? Until you hit the inflection point, exit velocity, whatever you want to call it. And you'll
0: never know until after the fact, too. So you're still no, going to be it And then afterwards, you're like, wait a minute. Like, I, I heard a few people that are like, I really liked your podcast earlier. And I was like, holy cow, this is great. You
1: know, and those little things like that, those small well, feedbacks make such a difference. Yeah, if you look at... We'll go back to what the truck, right? What the truck is is on its own momentum. But I'm ready for the next inflection point because it's coming soon. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dooner is building up to where that next inflection point is coming. I, I can see it. I can see it. It's about to hit. You feel the speed. You feel the speed, right? Mm-hmm. So that's really, you know, it's it's all about doing something where you can gamify it. If You can gamify it. You enjoy doing it. You're going to put more time and effort into it. And the people who put the most time and effort into something are usually the long-term winners.
0: Exactly. And at the end of the day if you feel frustrated, look at the skill set. So like with trucking, if I'm having a hard week, look at what is related. Macro trends, what are some brokerages doing? What are some the equipment, periphery. That, you know, yes. yeah. go to the periphery and stay interested because if you can pull from the periphery, you don't feel so frustrated if your main topic because if you can show that in connects, people are going to think, "Oh, now you know more parts of the game and you can then keep yourself go and keep the ball moving. And it
1: gives you a really good broad base of knowledge, right? You you fill in a lot of the gaps. If you go and look at macroeconomic and kind of piece that all together, you you really educate yourself and you can turn around and teach your community who are hopefully going to be paying clients and customers at some point down the road because that's how we do that. Because it's the value. It it is. It definitely is. But this uh, wraps up for this episode of Put That Coffee Down. You can catch us here on Freightwaves TV, 12 p.m. Eastern Time every Tuesday, and on podcast versions either on Freight Caps or our channel, Put That Coffee Down. I got friends on the I got expenses because land expenses. I got expenses land i